You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am excellent. I'm excited to hopefully help answer some of your questions and and get you going in the right direction to medical school. So what can I help you with? Yeah, I had a question about how much you can convey like your passions and interests when they're like so specific, um, just based on like your life experience without coming across closed-minded to an interviewer. Yeah. So my assumption is that what you're talking about is very specific to a specialty. So this comes across a lot. Um, psychiatry is always the one that that kind of stands out for students, whether they're dealing with their own mental health stuff or parents' mental health stuff, siblings' mental health stuff, where they're like, everything is like psychiatry, psychiatry, psychiatry. It seems to be always the the biggest one. And and it comes across in their personal statement. It comes across in their interviews. And And I think really the answer is, number one, you have to be true to who you are. And so if if your passions lie around a specific specialty, that's going to show in your activities, right? If, if a lot of your activities are around that thing, they're going to show. Where I think students go a little bit off the, the path a little bit in terms of what I hope students do is everything is directed to that. So the personal statement is directed to that. The interview is directed to that. And and really, I think what that is, is, is what your fear is, that it comes across as closed-minded, where as a medical school, I know that you're gonna have to do these eight core rotations, right? General surgery, internal medicine, blah, 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 blah. You're gonna have to do these eight core rotations. And I don't want you to be miserable on seven of the eight because you are you are only interested in one of the eight. So number one, that's a big fear. And number two is 75% of students change their mind anyway. So no matter what you've been exposed to up to this point, you're going to be exposed to a lot more, both from a, uh, a patient perspective and from a mentor perspective. You may find a mentor in medical school that just, just rocks your mind and you're like, oh my gosh, like I never thought about this other specialty in this way. And I didn't know that I could take these passions that I have about this one thing and tie it into this other thing and like explosion, like, oh my gosh. So, so let's, let's hear what, what your kind of passion lies around. Yeah, for sure. And, and on top of like specialty, and that's the thing is like, I know I have so much to learn and can totally be like, my mind can completely be changed. It's just, wow, it has really been ingrained up to this point for many, many years around one specialty. That's orthopedics. Yep. That, um, that's the other common one because of normal injuries. Right. Well, and people who are athletes and been injured and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Like I get it. It's, it's a common thing for people to have experience in for medicine. Yep. Um, and then like the other aspect too is like where I'm really interested in serving in the population that I'm very interested in serving. And that's in rural medicine. Mm. And Yes, there are orthopedic surgeons in rural medicine for people who are listening and, and not aware of that. Few, few um, and far between, but but yes, yeah, they are potentially yeah, we still out there. have them, though. <laughs> yes, there are still general orthos out there who have to go back to rural communities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so orthopedics is is mine. I've had fourteen orthopedic surgeries. Um, had a lot of surgeries, twenty one surgeries in my twenty four years. Um, so surgery has really been a big impact on my journey. And it's always been that tangible fix. I'm a very visual learner. Um, 
And so I don't know, surgery is just very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. But of course I did as well, you know, shadow. I have like 400 shadowing hours and probably two of them, 200 of them are in orthopedics wow. uh, just because wow. I'm intrigued by it. But um, I went in peds and family med and, and everything that I possibly could to to make sure that it was truly what I wanted. I shadowed nurses. I shadowed PAs. I, I really did the whole thing. I just unfortunately just keep coming back to orthopedics and, yep. and surgeries and it just teaches me something and every time and i don't know it's just nothing gets me excited like ortho <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and that is that is perfectly fine right i was the same way i i mm-hmm. went to medical school because i wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon right yeah. that's that's why i went to med school now if you read my personal statement it doesn't necessarily come across that way right because the personal statement is why do you want to be a doctor right. first and foremost and yes your ortho experience as a patient is going to come through there as kind of this impetus or potential drive, this quote unquote seed that I talk about in my personal statement book as to why you want to explore medicine. The personal statement is is not asking you what do you want to do as a career other than generic physician, right? Uh, and, And so that's going to be there. Your shadowing hours, having 200 in ortho, whatever other clinical experiences around ortho that you potentially have, they are going to be there. And so during an interview, it may come across as like, hey, it looks like you're interested in orthopedics. And you go, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) Right. And here's why. And that's perfectly fine. Right. I think at the end of the day, you just need to be true to yourself and play a little bit to I understand that in medical school, I'm going to be exposed to a lot of other things. And I understand that most students change their mind uh, during medical school, coming in with a specific specialty in mind. And and I'm very excited to see what else is out there. And right now, I'm really interested in surgery and and orthopedics. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I definitely didn't mention like ortho in my, I mean, it's obvious. I mentioned like some some of my surgeries, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, in my personal statement, because that was my seed to medicine. Um, But yeah, no, I I didn't, wasn't like, oh, only pick me if you want an orthopedic surgeon. Like, no, definitely did not do that. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And, and, And medical schools understand, right? They're not naive to the fact that there are people coming in with these dreams and desires at the forefront and, and students fear of like, Oh, this school is a primary care school. Well, it, even though they're a primary care school, go look at their match list. They have people matching in surgical subspecialties, right? Yeah. That's just, they can't control what you match into what you, what you can or can't actually match for. So, um, go out there, make sure you understand at the core, what it is about surgery that is driving you what it is at the core of taking care of these people that's driving you, because that's going to be the message about what you are looking for as to why you want to be a doctor. Right. So just, just understand and reflect and, and, and know that part of who you are. Yeah, for sure. All right. What else you got? Um, let's see here. Oh, I guess like timeline wise. So, um, Specifically for my state school, their like interview invites for mission-based students are going out in October. Okay. And so they give you this deadline of like, okay, we'll start interviewing 
mission-based students in October. And so hopefully I'm fortunate enough to get an, an interview invite from them. That's pa- where I'm pause for from. one second. What do you mean by mission-based students? Uh, it's like the in-state students that they, they do like, so it's all rolling in missions, yep. but they do explicitly state on like the portal that they don't start interviewing mission-based like residents of our state until October. Okay. So, so mission-based in the language that you're using is in-state Yeah, you know, or like strong ties to the state and, and okay. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when, when would be an appropriate time to do mock interviews? And like, I'm just, I read your book. I just finished your book like last week. Um, and, and just trying to figure out timeline wise of when I should start preparing and, yeah. and, you know, make sure that I'm ready for it. If it, now. If it comes. Yeah. So the, an- the answer is now, unfortunately, a lot of students, the biggest mistake that they make with mock interviews is waiting, waiting yeah. until they get an interview. And now, especially during COVID with virtual interviews, you may get like a two day notice of like, hey, your interviews in two days. And you're like, uh, OK, <laughs> thanks for the heads up. But but that can happen. It happens all the time. And I think there's this fear uh, kind of using an analogy to like running a marathon of when you run a marathon, right, there is a very strict schedule of when you want to start increasing your mileage to, to peak at the right time right before the marathon, because that is how your body needs to react to and grow and adapt to running a marathon. With interview prep, what you do today, you can still remember in two months, right? And so there's no need to go, I have to wait for... Uh, I actually have an interview so that I know the date so that I can do a mock interview at least three days, but not more than five days before so that I don't forget anything, right? That's just not, it's just not logical. So the answer is now, right? Assuming you've kind of gotten your secondary essays under control, everything else is done, MCAT's done, your time right now should be interview prep and understanding who you are, kind of going through the book, the 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 pre-med playbook guide to the medical school interview and kind of just glance at some of those questions and not necessarily come up with answers to all the questions, but just see if it sparks any any memories for you. See if it gives you any uh, insight or ideas of bullet points to bring up during answers during an interview. And so that's what you should be doing from here on out is really just reflecting on who you are as a person and then doing mock interviews, whether that's with mentors, physicians that you've shadowed, uh, your pre-health office or one-on-one through a company. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And so looking at your uh, mock interview, mm-hmm. like uh, the one-on-one prep that you can do. Yep. So the 20-minute session, so it would be something similar to this, obviously. Do you treat it just like a real interview? Like, I guess I've never done one, so I don't yeah. know. Well, I've done like obviously job interviews, but yeah. for these, yeah. I just I just don't know like what to expect. Yeah, I, I've won Academy Awards for my mock interview uh, prep. Uh, I, I get it's it's role playing, right? Um, and so I do some mock interviews, and now the team that I have at, at Mapped, all, all of the advising we do through Mapped now, uh, my team advisors, we basically it's a forty five minute call. About 20, 25 minutes of that is the actual interview. And so we just jump in and go, okay, tell me tell me about yourself and why do you want to be a doctor and all those normal things. And we don't break character and we're, we're kind of the interviewer. And then we'll call it at some point and go, okay, we're done. 
how do you think you did? And here's my feedback. And and we'll go question by question through your answers and try to help you understand how to improve your answers. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. And fun. you're still taking students for the, the interview prep? Uh, I'm doing a, a few and then my team's doing the majority. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. some as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting out here. Uh, we don't have... Well, there's no pre pre health like club. Okay. Um, okay. We do have like a pre health society that I actually am the d- program director of that I just started up this year, and Great. we actually have a meeting with Rachel tonight for Mapped to orient the nice. whole the whole club. So that's awesome. Really excited about that to bring that resource out here. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. That's yeah, that's exciting. It's nice to have online resources, especially because most schools have released that they're doing virtual interviews yep. that I've seen yep. at least. And so to be able to prepare on the same platform will be beneficial. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Anything else I can help you with? See, I listen to your podcast all the time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know I've got a question <laughs> sitting in here. It's just not really uh, coming, coming to me at the moment. Oh, um, yeah. So like the rural aspect, mm-hmm. um, uh, this is this is more of a question actually for students that I help mentor um, because for me everything I've done has been in a rural setting and so my actions like show through the place that I'm trying to you know like go and pursue and I don't know like actions speak louder than words right so all of my activities and things are already in a rural setting and so it's it's easy to believe that that's what I'm passionate about yep. um because I am <laughs> um but for students who have like minimal experience in a rural setting or are like, oh, I want to serve the underserved, what's the best way for them to display or get involved? Is it to just go be involved with those communities? And yeah. I know a lot of people throw it out there and it becomes very insignificant yep. when they just, oh, maybe they'll take me because they're, you know, their goal is underserved. And so yeah. how would you go about that? You, you'd be very surprised at how many students try to just throw in these token keywords oh, yeah. of underserved and rural. And then you go and look at their activity list and it's not that, right? And it's it's just the exact opposite of all affluence and all uh, urban um, mm-hmm. kind of city life. And so actions speak louder than words, right? I, I say it all the time. Obviously, I didn't make that up. It's just, it's the truth, right? Actions speak louder than words. And so you can say it in an essay if you can back it up with your activities. So if you can show that your activities are taking place in these rural environments or taking care of underserved patient populations, and that's what potentially, hopefully, you're passionate about, and it comes through in your writing, in your activity description, or most meaningful essay, potentially, then that's the important part, right? Talking about it in an essay, to me, is less important. It's it's the activity itself that that shows that. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's how I always kind of portrayed it too. And it, it's obvious when people are passionate about something when it comes through with with what they've been involved in. So yeah. Um, another question actually that I have too. Um, so if this application cycle is not successful, um, just trying to prepare, you know, so that I'm ready for the next one. Um, which is crazy because it's only August, but just in case, you know, like I, I want to be a doctor, so let's go. Like I'm willing to do whatever. But, um, so when, when you start thinking about 
what you can do better on your application. Obviously, like a higher MCAT score is always going to get you more opportunities. And, and I can improve on that. That's something that I know I, I can do better on. Um, and so it, in terms of timeline and, and considering to take this and working full time and, and all the things that go and I'm not making any excuses by any means, because I will do whatever it takes to, to get to the point to become a physician. But, you know, there is there are there's limited time. Right. So mm. you can't work full time plus work clinical plus like do this and that. So when you're trying to prioritize what it is that you need to do besides like MCAT prep, like what is more important at that point? I have a ton of clinical experience. I have a ton of shadowing. Like I, I have a very solid application. Yeah. I just, I don't know like what it is that I'm going to need to step away from to be able to make time for. Yeah. And, And that's, that's kind of the whole point of, uh, we, we call them postmortems in, in the military of like, okay, we just did this big mass casualty exercise. Now let's go debrief and do this postmortem and, and talk about what happened, right? What went well, what didn't go right? How, how can we improve? And as you go through this process, you'll start to hopefully get some clearer pictures about what your application looks like. In my my newest book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application Process, I kind of break it down for students to start to think about. There's a whole chapter on the, doing these postmortems is, did I get any interviews or did I not get any interviews? Because if I didn't get any interviews, that's going to reflect more potentially on stats than anything else. And so where are my stats looking? If I got interviews, then my stats are obviously good enough and I told my story well enough that people want to talk to me. And 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 if you didn't get any interviews, that doesn't mean that it was just your stats, right? It could be the story right. aspect yeah, as well. Sure. So it's it's kind of hard, but um, it it's really just looking at every variable. And unfortunately, students on Student Doctor Network and Reddit and elsewhere, they only focus on stats. It's like, well, I had a three point nine and a five seventeen, but I didn't get any interviews. And then people freak out and go, "Well, if you didn't get any interviews, then how am I going to get right. interviews? Because I only have a three six and a five fourteen. But stats are just one or two variables, right? GPA and, and MCAT. Right. And GPA is actually a lot of different variables, including your trends and everything else. So it, it really comes down to, okay, you say you have clinical experience a lot of clinical experience, but is it old, right? Do you have a thousand hours of clinical experience for all intents and purposes is great, but is it from two years ago and you don't have any recent? And so it's it's really just going step by step by step by step, variable by variable by variable and going, what potentially is off here? Is this telling a story that I don't think it is? And, and, and the admissions committees, these reviewers are seeing something in this one variable that I didn't think about and, right. and just trying to look through. And unfortunately, there are going to be people out there who have really good stats, who have really good stories, who have great experiences, who for the most part did a really good job writing their personal statement, their activity descriptions, and their secondary essays, got a few interviews, and then they're just terrible interviewers. Right there, that comes across too, and then there are situations where all of that happens. Every you're you're good at at every level, and they just applied to the wrong schools. Yeah. So, it's uh, luckily, yeah. luckily, it's it's less 
just applying to the wrong schools and more that there's really something in your application that, that needs to be tweaked. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I mean, that's kind of exciting, right? That's like the puzzle to figure out, figure out what, what you can do, what you can shift to make them fit a little bit better and, and create a better picture for yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully this was helpful and gave you a little bit of boost of confidence as you continue on your journey. Um, the the MCAT you mentioned uh, potentially needing to do better. Uh, if, if you go down that path, hopefully you don't have to. If you need to go down that path again, blueprint full-length exams really help out. Uh, I don't know if you did any no. blueprint exams, uh, but they also just came out with MCAT flashcards, a whole like 1,500 MCAT flashcards, which are are awesome. So for for those of you listening uh, and and watching, go go check out blueprintmcat.com for some some free goodies, including all of those amazing flashcards. But hopefully yeah. you are done with the MCAT and you don't need it anymore. Yes, that that's the hope. I did just listen to your sketchy podcast last night as yeah. well. Um, and so for those who are visual learners and, and like the guy mentioned who aren't potentially like, I am super excited to use that resource if needed. And if not for the MCAT, then in med school, because I am an extremely visual learner. And so I was so, so elated to hear about that opportunity. Yeah. So thank you. Shout out to sketchy and use that in conjunction with blueprint as well, which I have not yet used. And so it's a new option and a new open door for me if I need to go there. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group.